0: Good afternoon. Good morning and good evening. I hope you guys have had a fantastic week. I know I've been busy. Good God, it's been Gamescom, where all these video games have been releasing and trying to figure out which ones are worth mentioning and which ones aren't was a doozy. Anyway, we're going to get into that a little bit later. We're going to start off with comics as always. Now, one thing about this issue is we're going to be jumping into AXE issue number three. As you know, we've been following this comic book series for a while as it is Marvel's biggest event so far. Now, when talking about issue three, it starts off with the Avengers, some Eternals, and Sinister basically reacting to the Celestial that stated about judging people. They all go to confront it and it starts to read and judge Captain America. And it says that he has failed in his duty. Which worries Tony because since he was judged and considered a failure, Tony states what do the rest of the Avengers and the world stand a chance? Because when it comes to Captain America, he's basically the Boy Scout. Now, they begin to work on another solution. The other Eternals forbid them from killing the Celestial because it is their god. Meanwhile, the X-Men are still fighting off the Eternals and trying to stay focused. Sinister calls a vote for the council to act, and they decide to attack the Celestial with the information Sinister provides. While this is happening, the Deviants arrive and offer to help the X-Men, claiming to want to help fellow Deviants. Cyclops mentions that they aren't Deviants, which leads, which basically their leader states that their DNA is similar enough to allow the Deviants to pass through their gates with ease. Which is kind of funny, because no human can pass through their gates, only mutants. So this kind of puts uh, forth the fact that maybe the mutants are some sort of Deviants. While this is happening, Druig is meeting with Uranus, who states that the Celestial is doing the job for them. Which is kind of funny because he actually has a point. It, it would do the job for them by judging them, failing them, and basically wiping them out. But uh, Druig is still wants to do something because he doesn't want to leave anything to chance. He says he will send the Hexes down again. Uranos says that he wants to go down too. Druig says no, just for now. The team finds out that Sinister opened the node that would allow the X-Men to destroy the Celestial... Noting that the blast will reach cities and kill millions. But Sinister says that by killing the Celestial and sacrificing millions it will save billions. The X-Men fight and Jean gets to the top where Tony tries to warn her but she doesn't listen and destroys the node. Which is the core. Once destroyed, Tony tells her, hey, it's going to destroy and cause a massive explosion. Jean looks horrified And says, oh my god, I didn't know. And Tony's like, maybe there's still time to do something, but then everything implodes. Now, while everything implodes, it destroys everything. The Avengers, Sinister, the X-Men, and reaches uh, other countries, supposedly killing everybody. But it turns out to be all an illusion in their mind, which the Celestial allowed them to experience everything, including death. They say that they can't do anything because the Celestial will figure it out beforehand. And the only way to do this is to prepare to be judged. While this is happening, Cersei and another Eternal break into another vault and say that they need another uh, Eternal that joined the Avengers long ago to help them out. And that Avenger turns out to be Firefox. Not Firefox. Oh my god, what am I doing? Star Fox who is an Eternal and a former Avenger. Now, this is cool for them to bring back Star Fox. Now, many of you don't know, but Star Fox is actually the brother of Thanos. And for many of you who remember the Eternals movie was the character Harry Styles was playing. Anyway, he is a very powerful Eternal who has super strength and is known for his manipulation of cosmic energies. He also has an accelerated healing factor, uh, super strength, etc., etc., and I'm wondering how he's gonna shake things up in this whole Avengers versus not Avengers, uh, X Men versus Eternals fight. Anyway, that's it for Marvel. We're gonna be moving on to DC, and issue two of what seems to be my favorite ongoing DC series, Mech, has dropped. Now the comic kicks off where the last one left off with Batman. Holding on to Clark, he realizes that Clark is strong, which proves that maybe that Clark has his super strength, although I don't know to what extent. Maybe he has his strength from the uh, original world where he's very strong, which proves the point on why he needs the mech. But anyway, Batman goes back to his mech ready to fight. Meanwhile, while this is happening, we get our first look at Green Lantern, or should I say Green Lanterns? As this version has a mech with two pilots instead of one. One handles the constructs while the other pilots the entire mech. Now, the two pilots who are doing this are Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart. Which is kind of cool because, honestly, those are my two top favorite Green Lanterns. With Jon Stewart being at the top. Now, Hal is flying, which makes Jon making the constructs. Which is a nod to their counterpart, since how is the better pilot of the two? And John's constructs are the strongest because he was an architect, so he's able to imagine weapons, other stuff down to their very core and making them super strong. Now, one thing that's kind of cool is that the moving mechanism of the Green Lantern mech is a Green Lantern, but this—it's a Green Lantern battery, but this battery isn't from Oa. And it isn't part of the core. This Green Lantern battery is actually from Alan Scott, who gets his power from a different type of energy and from um, Earth. But he's still able to make constructs and a bunch of different stuff. Now, they are training when we see them, and they're training uh, against Wonder Woman, who also has a mech from Themyscira. Because apparently the Greek gods said, you know what? We need mechs. That's exactly how we're going to do stuff. And it built them long ago. I find this very odd that long ago the Greeks were like, mechs. We need mechs. But anyway, that's just me. Um, One thing that is still entertaining is the fact that their bond, Hal and John's, is still the same. Uh, they actually seem more a lot like brothers in this comic series, which is kind of cool. But the one thing I like is the na- nod to Alan Scott because he's uh, a Green Lantern that many have forgotten, even though he's technically the original. And it's kind of cool that uh, instead of "Hey, there's an alien that came from the sky," it's just like "Hey, I'm Alan Scott. Do what you will with the Green Lantern battery. We we need you to make something." which is awesome now while the mech is powerful uh, the problem is that john is still having trouble making constructs Uh, wonder woman beats them but notes that they're improving which is good i mean you have two pilots instead of one so they gotta work together and stuff like that now they get alert from batman saying that they need help both wonder woman and green lantern go to help While they're there, they see that Superman is getting the upper hand against the Flash, getting out their upper hand against Batman. And when they arrive and restrain him, Clark gets out of his mech saying, Hey, I don't want to fight. I'm here to help. And Wonder Woman says that they need to hear him out against Batman's wishes because Batman is Batman. Anyway, uh, they restrain Clark by tying him up and ask him questions. They ask where he's from, and Superman basically says, I'm from Krypton, he's been searching for Earth for years, but has stopped by each planet that he's come across to help the people there. While this is happening, a boom tube appears, and Kalabak and the Harpies arrive, and begins to destroy stuff and gathering supplies for Darkseid. Steve Trevor arrives with some soldiers to try to fight them off, but they're way too powerful. They end up calling Wonder Woman for backup, and everyone goes to fight. Once they're there, they begin to be uh, become overpowered because their mechs, Calabacs and the Harpies, are a lot more advanced. Now, uh, Superman arrives and helps push them back. So Batman and Superman team up against Calabac and basically beat him. But the one thing I didn't realize until it showed was whenever Superman's mech gets injured, so does Superman. Because I, uh, from my understanding, he's powering the mech with solar energy from his body. Anyway, he gets scratched and begins to bleed. They push back the harpies. Uh, He gets out of his mech and lays on the ground. Batman berates Superman for letting them get away, but Wally interjects saying that they really didn't have the upper hand and they were outgunned before Superman arrived. Batman says they need to go after them, but his mech gets shut down by his godmother. Yes, Batman has a godmother in this universe, and it is Shiera Hawk hawk Woman, which is kind of brilliant it's hilarious because she basically acts like one of those anime moms where they berates their son and it's hilarious to see she helps clark and berates bruce saying that they got sloppy she says that they need to upgrade their mechs to stand a chance and suggest they upgrade their suits with nth metal they all agree which makes sense she also says she's had some stored away that can help but they need to get to it now seeing that clark and bruce get along so well she says that they are going to co-lead the team which batman just does what batman does best and argues and broods he also walks away brooding and the rest plan on how to get the nth medal it's actually hilarious because i think they're mostly teenagers in this one so well not teenagers like teen young adults and stuff like that Which is kind of funny. Anyway, while this is all happening, Luthor is talking about the next stage of evolution to General Lane and begins to collect the blood of Superman that was left. Now, this is kind of interesting because I don't know where Luthor stands. I mean, they're all against Darkseid, so maybe he's like the Injustice Lex Luthor where he wasn't bad, he was good. But who knows, uh, this comic gets wild and it's it, it's getting good. It's really surprising how much thought they put into this. It is entertaining. The concept is interesting, kind of reminds you of the old Power Rangers shows where everyone gets into their mechs to fight the final boss or whatever. I do like the uh, Green Lanterns having two pilots to control them, kind of reminds me of, uh, oh what's that, oh, I forgot the movie. It came out a few years ago, but I'll remember it. But anyway, it kind of also reminds me of the old Japanese shows. Like, um, oh my god, I'm blanking out on these things. Watch. People are popping in the audience. They're like, oh my god, it's this and this. How do you not remember? It's been a day. Anyway, I'm looking forward to seeing the introduction of Cyborg, Martian Manhunter, or even Aquaman. I'm curious to see what their mechs are going to be able to do. Especially Martian Manhunters. This man is able to go intangible and morph, so seeing his mech do the same will be kind of cool. Anyway, uh, that's it for comics. We're going to be moving on to TV shows. And this may sound like a broken record, but we're going to be talking about Warner Brothers again because they have been doing such a wonderful job. Well, maybe not Warner Brothers, maybe Discovery. Now, this time, they are alienating artists and cartoon creators by canceling a lot of their shows and movies and taking down their shows from their platform without informing them about their decision. They're finding out day of that they've taken out, and this is from fans on Twitter. Now, a lot of these creators have taken to Twitter to talk about how their shows are being taken down and how they feel and they say that they feel like Warner Brothers doesn't care and that they feel like their livelihoods have been ripped from them because they weren't informed that their shows that they've worked so hard for are being taken down and they aren't informed until after the fact. It's kind of funny because Cartoon Network here is defending the content creators and stuff like that. And they've told Discovery that this would alienate creators, but apparently it fell on deaf ears. I honestly don't know what the future holds for HBO Max, especially since Discovery bought them. Because apparently Discovery went into a good amount of debt to acquire Warner Brothers and are cutting shows to cut back on the cost of what they owe. Which is weird. It's like, okay, you went into debt to buy a studio or a entire company... And now you're cutting some of the stuff that made that company excellent. I don't understand the business side of that, but we'll see what happens. Another thing that's kind of weird and kind of weary is the fact that the CEO of Discovery said that they don't care about anime. Which is sad because anime is great and would expand the clientele for people wanting HBO Max. Heck, I watch anime because anime is fantastic. Especially the movies, the shows, they have the entire Studio Ghibli collection. That's a plus for wanting to get uh, HBO Max, especially if you're a fan of Studio Ghibli films. I actually ended up watching uh, My Neighbor Totoro and Popo Yo-Yo. I think that's the, the one with the pig, uh, which was great movies. I actually enjoyed them because the one Studio Ghibli film that I've watched only because I had it when I was younger was Kiki's Delivery Service. Oh, Howl's Moving Castle. That's the other one I watched, which is great, honestly. But yeah, these are just some of the great stuff that were introduced because they were on the platform. And seeing them be berated and saying, oh, we don't care about anime, it's kind of sad. It really is. Hopefully they're able to get their act together, but who knows? Anyway, I am going to be moving on and continue talking about um, Warner Brothers, but specifically a show. Uh, we're going to be talking about episode one of House of Dragons. Now, this is not going to be a spoiler review, so don't worry. But honestly, watching House of Dragons, it felt like watching the old Game of of Thrones, which was a good thing. Because it wasn't like watching Season 7, which I mean was good, but 8, which was like... Anyway, uh, the beginning of the episode is basically building up the world. Since this technically takes place 172 years before Daenerys. So, a lot of the stuff that we know, a lot of the technology is older, and they're doing a lot of stuff different since there's not a huge divide against the houses yet. Like I said, yet. So far, the writing is great, um, and it probably helps that they have a book to follow instead of winging it. And the king in this show seems to be like he seems to be the only sane dude around. I mean, it's weird having a king that seems like he's a regular dude thrusted upon the throne. Like, some of the decisions he's making, it's not like, why is he making that? It's like, wow, he's making some sane decisions and handling like any sane person would, which is refreshing. It's not like we're seeing Jamie on the throne, and we want to kill him. No, this dude is like, okay, some of his decisions have been bad, but. It's not like, bad, bad, where you hating on the guy. He's doing the best he can in an impossible situation. Now, the main character, which is, I think I'm pronouncing this name right, Renera, is a very interesting character. And I can't wait to see how things turn out for her and how she expands. Now, one thing I will say is that there is a scene in the first episode that, in my opinion, is worse than the Red Wedding. And I'm saying this because historically, people have had to gone through the stuff that happened to the queen. That's all I'm going to put up on that. And that's why I said, because watching them just do the stuff that they did, I was like cringing. I'm like, oh, that, no, that's, that's really bad. And it's like, oh, this is just, wow, this is terrible. But anyway, uh, one other character that's very interesting is Damon. Uh, I don't know no idea where his motives lie, I don't know where he's going to go, but the actor, Matt Smith, is killing it. And I can't wait to see the future of this character. One thing is I'm excited to see episode 2, because of this recording, it's Sunday, episode 2 has released, but I have yet to see it. One thing which is interesting, and I didn't know about it until someone told me, is that in the book, the book has some time skips, which the show will follow. The show will follow uh, the book in which where it jumps 10 years into the future and will go back and forth similar to how the book does. So it's going to be interesting seeing how the decisions in the past affect the future in real time. Anyway, I'm enjoying the show and I can't wait to see what more this show brings to the Game of Thrones universe. Anyway, uh, moving on from HBO, we're going to be jumping into Netflix with some great news. Netflix's Resident Evil has been canceled. Hallelujah. You have no idea how much I jumped for joy at the news because the show, as stated before, was utter garbage and should not have been greenlit in the first place. It is bad when Welcome to Raccoon City... Did Resident Evil more justice than the show? And honestly, it made people go back and think with the Thanos quotes uh, from Endgame, like, maybe I was too cruel of the movies. That, that's like something you really don't want to say or have happen with like a Resident Evil TV show. Anyway, I have no idea where they're going to go with this series. Honestly, they should follow the games and just stick to that. Like, do what they did with Harry Potter and just stick to everything. Like, if the, green, if the game did it, do it. Don't make any changes. Follow the game. This is why we have a great game series because it follows it. Or, even better make a show revolving around uh, Resident Evil 4 and have flashbacks of what happened to Raccoon City because at this point, everybody knows what happens to Raccoon City since we've had not only a TV show, but a movie. So they should just do the whole skip. That's honestly what they should do. Or do a movie based on, or a TV show based on the first Resident Evil game. It would work. But we'll see what happens, and we'll see how Capcom handles everything. Anyway, uh, moving on, we're going to be jumping to uh, Law & Order. Now, some people are like, wait, why are you talking about Law & Order? I'm there like, well, it falls around the nerd stuff just because the show has been around for so long, and it's a great series, so I'm calling it for nerds and geeks everywhere. But anyway, I've been recently watching the new Law & Order show, the one that uh, came back, the original and compared to the original run, it's not that good. It it just seems like it's being lazy because I'm watching the show and they seem to win almost every time with very little loss, which is weird because in the original, they seem to have a balance with it, but that's not my problem. My problem is the wins they're getting, it just doesn't seem like they should have won. In the original show, whenever they got the not-guilty verdicts or the guilty verdicts, it was plausible because a lot of times when they seemed like they were losing and they grasped victory from the clutches of defeat, it didn't seem far-fetched. It felt like, okay, they did it, but just barely. In the new show, it seems like they're getting guilty verdicts when they should be not guilty. And it seems like they're trying to pander... Like, oh, yeah, and this thing, every uh, they always win. And it just doesn't have the same feeling because in the original run, sure, they had some wins, but when they lost, it was because they something happened. They couldn't control something, or it seemed like the other side were so convincing that the audience was like, dang, and the jury said, okay, he's not guilty. That's what it's missing, that whole dilemma, that whole fight back. Where even after doing everything, they lost. Which is something I missed because the whole uh, point of Law and Order, the thing that made it so enticing story-wise was because they could lose. And they've had. But anyway, hopefully with the next season, it does get better. Uh, They're supposed to be coming back this September. So, hopefully they change it up a bit, and I really hope they recast the main prosecutor dude, because I just don't know. I don't like his character at all. He's not as enticing as Barbara was in SVU. Anyway, that's just me, but we're actually going to go back to House of Dragons. Now, I forgot to mention this, but House of Dragons got greenlit for a season 2, which is kind of weird. Now, I'm saying that because... There is only one book talking about the past. Yes, there is one book. So I am praying that there is enough of the book to make a season two. Now, I get some people are like, wait, how about The Hobbit? The Hobbit was only one book. Yeah, I mean, I could see that, but I'm just hoping they're not going to wing it again because they have proven that winging it is not their strong suit. But who knows? Maybe I am missing something. Maybe George R.R. Martin is going to release another book. Who knows? Miracles have happened. Anyway, uh, moving on, uh, we're going to be talking about She-Hulk Episode 1. Now again, this isn't a spoiler review. Now, it's not too bad, the show. And it does seem funny, and it looks like it's going to hold some promise. Now, I do like the fact that the relationship between Bruce and Jennifer seems to be, like I said before, a sibling relationship. One thing I love is that it should be introducing other heroes, street heroes, that will expand the MCU. One thing I did not like, though, is how Jennifer basically downplays Bruce's trauma at being the Hulk. Especially since during the time he was the Hulk, he was hunted down by the military at every turn. And was basically always afraid of the other guy coming out to the point where he complicated and actually tried to commit suicide. And her comparing it to catcalling and other stuff, it just, it didn't seem right. Especially since his situation and her situation are completely different and he has years of experience she just brushed off. Again, I just didn't appreciate that and I've seen a lot of people say the same. But who knows? Uh, Let me know what you think, whether or not you thought that she was in the wrong or she was in the right. Anyway, I will be doing a spoiler review of episodes one and two when I come back in a couple weeks, which I will expand more upon at the end. Anyway, that's it for shows. We're going to be moving on to movies. As promised, I'm going to be doing a spoiler review of Dragon Ball Super Superhero. One of my favorite movies of the year. Now, I will say this is actually my first time going to a movie theater to see Dragon Ball Super. Or any Dragon Ball movie to say. And I saw it in IMAX, which made the movie experience something else. And I went with friends, which was even better. Now, a lot of people are like, wait, why didn't you go see Broly? Well, when Broly came out, I was doing a bunch of school and the movie theater that was showing it was only showing it for one day, and I had a class. Superhero seems to be getting a different treatment where it's showing multiple days, and I saw it on a Saturday, which was great. Now, uh, talking about great, the movie was fantastic. One thing I loved when watching the movie was seeing that Gohan is basically turning into his father and <laughs> leaving Pan with Piccolo. Uh, one thing I found uh, reminiscent was to see that piccolo was training pam like he trained his father before her one thing i did find hilarious was the fact that uh gohan and videl were paying piccolo with action figures or dolls <laughs> it was just hilarious and piccolo was like oh thank you i appreciate it. and it being awkward which was funny And I assume that how this all started was he said, oh, this looks kind of cool. And they assumed he loved it and decided to do it because he made a comment like one was too many. Anyway, uh, one thing I loved about the movie was it didn't shy away from the action. And it instantly got with it when uh, Gamma 2, where was it Gamma 1? One of the Gammas attacked Piccolo. Uh, One thing uh, throughout the movie that I enjoyed but kind of messed with me was at this point, Power levels don't even matter with these guys anymore, especially with Piccolo saying at the end with uh, Goku Max that Goku and Vegeta would have had trouble with him, which is weird, and I don't know how true that is, but we'll see about that in the future. One thing I found interesting about the movie was the fact that Dr. Hedo, the grandson of Dr. Jiro, and uh, apparently the grandson of... Of Android 21. Yeah. Uh, Android 21 from the Fighters game. uh, The design was based on Dr. Jerome's wife. Which is kind of weird. I didn't expect it. And they made it canon. So go figure. But one thing I did appreciate was Dr. Hedo was not evil. He wasn't vindictive like his grandfather before him. He just wanted to do good. Which is why he made the Gammas with a superhero complex. Which I actually enjoyed. One thing they, they made canon or made more obvious was Android 16 was based upon his son, the one who died. Uh, one thing uh, that I'm seeing a lot of speculation for is that Android 13 was based on Dr. Jarreau's younger self. Anyway, uh, like I said before, one thing I did appreciate was Dr. Hedo was different from his grandfather and wanted to do good. I did find it funny that he believed... Uh, The main dude from the Red Ribbon Army that Goku, Vegeta, and Bulma and others were evil and planning an invasion. Like I said, it was still funny. Uh, One thing I liked about the Gammas is that they each had their own personality, but they weren't good. I mean, they weren't good, they weren't evil. They were good. Just pointed in the wrong direction. And they actually had heart and personality, like I said before. One thing I loved about the movie as it progressed was Piccolo trying to figure out what was going on infiltrating the red ribbon army was hilarious and using the situation to get gohan back in fighting spirit one thing i did love was the fact that when planning out to kidnap pan and basically piccolo going with the person one thing that made me spit out my drink was the fact that pan just one K O'd the dude and (laughs) piccolo explained the situation and she was like okay we're gonna go One thing I loved was when the dude woke up, he was like, don't mention this to anybody. And Piccolo was like, okay. Uh, One thing I did appreciate was the fact that she recognized Piccolo uh, even though he was disguised by his power energy. And when the situation was reversed, Gohan didn't recognize him. One thing I did love was during that scene when they showed that they had Pan, Gohan went ballistic. (laughs) This man went Super Saiyan to the point where his power energy basically destroyed his house. And he ended up going to fight. And by the end of the fight, he ended up going mystic again, which was kind of cool. And during the fight with uh, Gamma, Piccolo was fighting Gamma too, which is another great scene. Because honestly, it's been so long since Piccolo or Gohan has had a one-on-one fight where it really mattered. One thing I loved was Piccolo getting a whole new form, especially since he's never gotten one before. One thing I did love was it it while it did take one wish to get him a new form, I love the fact that Balma used the other wishes for cosmetic surgery. Like you have the Dragon Balls and you just like, yeah, I'm just gonna use it for cosmetic surgery. I love that. It was just hilarious. And Piccolo's reaction was just beautiful. <laughs> anyway, uh Cell Max was an absolute beast. And even with the help of everyone, Krillin, Android 18, Trunks, and Goten, it was basically crazy. I did find it funny that we finally got an adult or grown Gotenks and they messed up so we got the fat one. That was funny. But it was still cool to see. Uh, One thing that was kind of sad was during the movie uh, Gamma sacrificed himself and went in for an all kill attack which was amazing. And the music and cinematography for Gohan going beast mode was phenomenal. One thing I did love was during the attack uh, with Cell Max being huge, Krillin went to uh, Piccolo and reminded him, hey, why don't you go big as you did before uh, when in the original Dragon Ball series? And Piccolo was like, oh my God, I forgot I could do that and does it. Which was kind of cool because the last time we saw an Amekian go huge was during. um. it was a movie it was um slug that was the movie it was during dragon ball z uh lord slug uh one thing i did love was when they were fighting and uh gohan was writing his attack instead of going for a kamehameha he instead used the special beam cannon which was awesome because it's like you always expect the kamehameha but using his teacher's method the special beam cannon was nice Uh, One thing I did love about the movie was the Goku and Vegeta parts, which were short scenes but were really cool. I did love how Beerus felt for, uh, I think I'm pronouncing her name right, Chilia, was hilarious and him having a type. One thing I did love was Vegeta winning a fight against Goku and when it was pure martial arts was amazing. I will say this, the movie without a doubt deserves a 10 out of 10 for being amazing, being funny and giving me confidence for the future of Dragon Ball. This movie will definitely be something I'll be purchasing and adding to my collection. Anyway, moving on, uh, Halloween ends. I heard news, which I didn't believe until I saw it, will be releasing on Peacock the same time it's releasing in theaters. Now, when I heard this, I thought this was very odd, because it's not like it was last year with COVID. Nothing is really shut down. Everything is still up and running. You've had movies released where they've reached the billion mark, and it's just—I just find it odd, an odd choice. It's not—it's like when Halloween Kills came out. I saw it at home because everything was going crazy with COVID, but that's not really the case now. But who knows? Weird decision. But uh, depending on my mood, I may see it in theaters or I may see it at home. But be forewarned, or. Look forward to it. I'll be doing a review when that happens. Anyway, the only other thing I have for movies is a teaser trailer was released for a Hellraiser reboot. It didn't really show much. It seemed interesting. But I'm very looking forward to seeing how the actress portrays Pinhead and where they go with this series. Anyway, uh, that is it for movies. We're going to be moving on to video games. And this is a wowzer. They've got a lot of stuff because of Gamescom. Now, the first game I'm going to be talking about is First Descendants. And it looks like Destiny, Anthem, and Warhammer had a baby. And from the looks of it, it looks to be your standard action first person RPG. And they seem to have standard classes, tank, support, uh, etc. And all that stuff. There will be 10 playable characters that hold a different ability. And this is an RPG, so you'll be able to level up these different characters. And you'll be fighting a plethora of monsters, aliens, and other creatures. It does look good, but I wonder if this is going to be the Destiny killer that it looks to be. Or be another footnote that ends up closing in a couple of years. Who knows? Uh, This is going to be in third person, so not first person. And will be coming to all consoles, but will have a Steam beta release October 20th through the 26th of this year. Uh, anyway, moving on, uh, Call of Duty was, has released Season 5 of Warzone, and it looks to be the last map released for Vanguard, with Modern Warfare coming out in about a couple months. In this new chapter it does bring the villain from Black Ops 2 in, and it seems somewhat interesting. I am going to be honest, when Vanguard came out, I didn't really purchase it, because I, I honestly saw it as a waste of money. It didn't look that good, And, I mean, I've been playing Warzone, but Warzone has definitely been weak ever since uh, Vanguard came out. Nothing really strong and nothing really making me want to go back and play. Anyway, uh, moving on, uh, we have a new game called Ravenbound, which is a new open-world action game. That looks similar to Skyrim, but uh, this fantasy world is actually inspired by Scandinavian folklore. Now, the trailer didn't show much, and I'm going to wait for gameplay trailer to be released. But, I mean, I'm liking that a lot of new games are starting to look to specific folklore to be inspired with the monsters. I'm looking forward to see how this game does, and it's releasing on Steam. Anyway, uh, speaking of other games, Morty has arrived on Multiverses, and I've been playing him. He's not too bad. He plays really smoothly, and a lot of his attacks can be used in combos. I do like how he can use the portal gun, and I'm very curious to see how different he will be from Rick. I also look forward to seeing the other characters that were teased, like Black Adam and Spike from the Gremlin series. Who knows, maybe other characters will come? Looking forward to see when that happens. Anyway, a new game called Everywhere, which is a new multi-world gaming experience, and the trailer showed different worlds and different situations. It looks interesting, the trailer was short, and I wonder if this game will be a mind-bending experience... That it's looking to be and it's going to be coming out in 2023. Now a game which everyone is talking about, especially after the movie, is Dune Awakening. The trailer has released and it's supposed to be a survival MMO game. The trailer looks amazing. The graphics look amazing. And if it's anything like the movie, I'm going to be looking forward to seeing how this game works. If they do it right, it may be the next big game. Or another flop. Who knows. Anyway moving on. Uh, we're going to be talking about Lords of the Fallen. Lords of the Fallen was a game that came out in 2014. And was basically like Souls. So I was very surprised when they said they were getting a sequel. After so many years. And get this. Lords of the Fallen sequel is called. Dun The Lords of the Fallen. That's right. They added a the to the game. Anyway, uh, like I said before, the game almost came out 10 years ago and it actually looks like it's going to be very good. And for those who are waiting for Elden Ring to get a DLC or an expansion, this game may satisfy your thirst for games like Dark Souls. Anyway, it looks cool and looking forward to play it. Speaking of games I'm looking forward to playing, a new trailer for Hogwarts Legacy has been released. And it's showing that if you prefer befriend the Slytherin student Sebastian Sallow you will actually be able to learn dark magic and forbidden curse spells now people are saying oh my god that is a bad thing but for me I'm like hmm how can I use this to my advantage because that's actually something I may want to do because you can technically turn into a dark wizard but I wonder if you can be something in the middle anyway I'm looking forward to see uh, how this game plays and when it comes out Uh, Next year, it's going to be good. Anyway, talking about games, a sequel to Tales of the Borderland has released. And surprisingly enough, it's not going to be released by Telltale Games. It's by a new studio, and from the trailer, it's following a new batch of characters with a new story to boot. One thing that I'm wondering if the characters from the first game is going to make any appearances, and I hope that they do because they still have a story to tell, And they left a lot of stuff open to interpretation. I hope that the game is definitely better than what the trailer has shown. Because the trailer was eh. But who knows it's a Borderland game. It may catch us by surprise. But time will tell. Another game that hopefully takes us by surprise is Sonic Frontiers. The gameplay trailer looks amazing. And so does the game. The open world content looks to be Super amazing. I'm wondering how much we're able to explore. And from the trailer, uh, whatever this being is, it's captured Sonic's friends. Whether this is a new creation of Eggman or someone totally different, who knows? This may actually be the first Sonic game in a while that I'm looking forward to play. Anyway, talking about other games I'm looking forward to playing, a new gameplay trailer for the Kalisco Project has released. Oh my god, it makes me want to play this game even more. It looks more and more like Dead Space every day. And I cannot wait for this holiday season to play this game. And praying, praying that this game is good. Anyway, another game that looks good is Marauders. It's supposed to be a gritty sci-fi heist game. That's supposed to be coming to Steam. And I'm really hoping that this fills the hole in my heart ever since Payday never got another sequel... Or has released new content for years. I miss Payday. I wish they would do something with it. But this may be able to do something with the dynamic that Payday created. Anyway, another game that's coming out that I did not expect was Goat Simulator 3. And like I said, I wasn't expecting for the OG goat to be back. And it seems like this game is going to be over the top again. And going to be wacky. You'll be able to carry around weapons, do paragliding, be a king in a goat castle, which seems weird, but I'm here for it. The sad part is, this looks more like a Saints Row game, more than the actual Saints Row reboot, which is sad. Speaking of Saints Row, a lot of the gameplay and a lot of reviews have been coming out for the new reboot, and it's exactly how I thought it was going to be. It looks like it's going to suck. The gameplay looks weird. It's not wacky. It doesn't bring any of the original characters back. And it seems like they really went in the wrong direction. And after the trailer, I can see why. They're focusing on doing something new when the original formula did everything right. I mean, honestly, why reboot a series that had you in hell, that had you in space, did a whole bunch of other different stuff. Or well, you could have taken it to the stars, you could have done something totally different, go from planet to planet or something. But alas, no, we got this reboot, and hopefully this doesn't kill the saint series. Hopefully they go back to its roots, and do something wacky. Anyway, another game that we're going to be talking about is Dying Light. Dying Light 2 is getting a new DLC will introduce a new villain, and a coliseum where you'll be able to fight the undead. Now, this may actually make me go back and play and finish Dying Light 2. I'm going to be honest, I kind kind of stopped because of the fact that they had so many bugs in 2. It just didn't seem worth playing and getting frustrated over everything. So, hopefully they fix it and I'll be able to go back to playing it. Now, uh, I know I mentioned the Lords of the Fallen before, but the developers have come out with a new action RPG game set in a sci-fi world called Atlas Fallen. Now, it looks kind of like another Destiny killer, but who knows? I will make my opinion once a gameplay trailer comes out. So we'll see how everything goes. Anyway, another game that I was completely surprised about, and I didn't expect to be ever released or even thought of, was from the same developers that made the Friday the 13th game called Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yes! killer clowns from outer space is gaining a video game now many of you don't know this but it used to be an 80s movie it was wacky it was weird it's one of those 80s films that were so bad that it was good and i'm looking forward to it it's supposed to be a 3b7 where you're fighting to survive against the clowns hopefully it's still wacky and we see a lot of easter eggs from the movies. And hopefully this gives other studios an interest to make a sequel to the movie, or maybe a reboot. Who knows? I'm looking forward to it. And I mean, it's Killer Clowns from Better Space. You can easily make a sequel set years later and see how it goes from it. Anyway, uh, one thing also, talking about another game I never thought I would see the light of day, which is ironic because it is a zombie game, so it coming back from the dead is hilarious and i'm talking about dead island 2 yes yes the game that was announced back in 2014 is finally releasing after so many years in development hell with the original developer going bankrupt we're finally seeing the end product and it looks it looks amazing it looks solid the gameplay looks cool i'm looking forward to it and i'm wondering if they're going to have easter eggs like they did before Like in the original game, you can fight uh, Jason Voorhees and get the machete or chainsaw and stuff like that. Uh, The release date so far is 2023, so we'll get to see it, we'll get to play it, and see how it does. I mean, for a game that's been this hyped up for years, I'm praying that it's good, because if it's not, rip. Another uh, trailer that was released was the new Gotham Knights uh, release date trailer which shows us the new villains that will be taking center stage. So Clayface, Mr. Freeze, Harley Quinn, Court of Owls, and more other Batman villains. I'm still wary about this game and we'll be looking at it with caution. And hopefully those at game, uh, GamesRant will do the before you buy because they're not giving me the game before it releases. <laughs> Unless I become popular, so definitely go at it. But anyway, we'll see where it goes and hopefully it's good. I'm praying that it's good because the only game I'm looking forward to from DC is the same developers from the Arkham games, which is Suicide Squad. Kill the Justice League. But anyway, another new game that looks interesting is Where the Winds Meet. Now, this is similar to Ghost of Tsushima and Old Assassin's Creed and will take place in feudal China. And this looks like it's going to be fun. It's going to have... Uh, Like Similar gameplay to both Ghost of Tsushima Assassin's Creed with supernatural elements and will be going into historical events with some historical monsters from the uh, Chinese folklore. If this is what is to come with different game developers going into specific folklore, I'm here for it. Like the previous game I mentioned that's going to Scandinavian. So this and the other game that takes place in China during the old age which is uh, Black Force Wukong, I'm looking forward to all three of them. So hopefully it's good, and hopefully we're able to uh, see the fruition of this stuff. Anyway, uh, talking about fruition, Destiny 2 has released the new trailer for their next expansion, which is Lightfall. And it's supposed to be bringing something different to the game. I'm actually looking forward to it. I It's been a while since I jumped back into Destiny 2, And right now I'm playing the last expansion, which was the Witch Queen, which is kind of cool. I will say I did not appreciate going into the game and finding out a bunch of my stuff was locked. I legit went into the game. I was like, okay, why is the Wall of Dawn not locked? Why is this locked? And why am I not able to use stuff? Had to call a friend and he's like, hey, you have to buy them with the in-game currency because now you can customize it. I'm like, why? I'm like, I mean, I guess this was released earlier, but I'm there like why is something that was unlocked before where you earned them now locked again where you have to pay shimmer what if someone's jumping in and spent a bunch of their shimmer and now has to grind to get that back it's weird but i mean it's destiny 2 so we'll see how it goes and hopefully this expansion is good because i like destiny 2 it's one of those games where i can just fall back on after not playing it for a bit and see new stuff happening Speaking of Destiny 2, uh, Destiny 2 will be crossing over with both Fall Guys and Fortnite. And I'm looking forward to see how this adds to the next chapter of the Fortnite saga. Because after Dragon Ball, I don't know. I don't think there's much I would want in skin-wise for uh, Fortnite. I mean, Star Wars, uh, I have Ghost Rider now, and I have the Dragon Ball a Z character, so nothing really much there that I'm going to be like, oh my god, I need this. Who knows? I may be wrong. But anyway, another game that's getting a sequel is Splatoon. Yes, Splatoon 3 gameplay trailer and regular trailer has been released, and it looks even better than ever. Now, I will say, out of all the Switch games that were released, Splatoon was definitely one that I didn't think would grow to what it is today. So, for those of you who are big fans of the Splatoon series, 3 is coming out, and I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, I will be better in 3 than I am in 2, because I kind of suck at Splatoon 2. Anyway, another game that has released, that it's a part of a series, is the next uh, part of the Dark Anthology series called Devil in Me. And the trailer was released, and it looks to be a fun game. Apparently the killer is going to be based on a serial killer and it's basically going to be like Saul mixed in with the collector, which is kind of cool. The Dark Anthology games have been really fun to play, especially since I usually have an audience when playing them. And it's great because I usually let them decide what they we're going to be doing, who, uh, what decisions are going to be made and who dies and who lives. Uh, I will say this. These games are usually boring to play alone. But playing with a group will definitely make the experience a lot more fun and a lot more enjoyable. Lastly, we're going to be talking about The Last of Us Part 1. It will be releasing soon and I've seen it be smudged across PlayStation Store saying, oh my god, you have to pre-order it, you have to pre-order it, you have to pre-order it. And I'm not going to pre-order it. Because honestly, I still believe this is going to be another cash grab. For those of you who have never experienced the game before and have a PS5 and want to experience it on the PS5, go for it. This is for you. You could experience the other remaster that came out three years ago, but if you really want to experience in all its PS5 glory, go for it. I've already played through the game twice, and if you have a PC and don't have a PS5 and have not experienced The Last of Us, go for it. This game was made for you guys. For those who have never experienced it before, PC, PlayStation 5, this is for you and I hope you enjoy the game because it is fantastic. Again, the reason why I won't be buying it is because I played it before and the remaster came out like three, four years ago and I'm not going to be spending another $70 on another remastered game. It's just not going to be me. I'm not going to be supporting it. Hopefully, they're working on part three because when it comes to the last of all series, I'm a sucker. And I'm going to be ripped back into it. Anyway, that's it for the video games. Like I said, I know it was a lot. We're going to be talking about movie theories. Now, this isn't really a movie theory, more of a TV theory. So, excuse my movie theories mispronunciation. Anyway, with the recent She-Hulk episode, we saw that they had an Easter egg talking about a man with metal claws getting into a bar fight. So this might be signaling that the X-Men or mutants are in the MCU or that they're in the MCU because they're from a different universe. Especially with multiverses showing that there are X-Men from other worlds. So uh, this may be a part of an X-Men team that is exploring other worlds and coming to the MCU. Now this makes the most sense because X-Men or mutants haven't really been explored in the MCU because they're not there. If they were, they would have been mentioned before, especially mutants. But with this being uh, something new, who knows? We may be seeing another team, which will lead to Secret Wars. Again, I'm looking forward to see it, and hopefully this plays out in a way that will make our jaws drop and have another scene like an Endgame, or heck, even recently, Spider-Man No Way Home. Anyway, uh, that is actually it for the movie-slash-TV series theories so we're going to be moving on to current events now if many of you haven't been paying attention to Olivia Wilde's new movie I completely forgot what it's called I think it's okay darling you have seen that the accusations she has pulled against Shia LaBeouf has been rebuttaled by a recent video of her begging Shia LaBeouf to come back and it's weird because it's making Olivia Wilde look to be the next uh, Amber Heard with her saying something that's completely left field and then it re- uh, revealing that it was completely the opposite because she said that she fired Shia LaBeouf because he was being too dangerous or not getting along and she feared for Florence Pugh's uh, safety. But in the video, she's like, I know you don't get along with Florence Pugh, but I want you to come back. And she's basically in tears. And it's like, wow. If she's lied about that, what else has she lied about? I, I I don't know if this is like try to do marketing for the movie, but with that type of toxicity, I'm, I'm not going to watch the movie. I wasn't really going to, but now I'm going to actively avoid it because it's just with this type of stuff, especially after the whole Amber Heard thing. Yeah, no, I'm not supporting it. Sorry, especially since, like I said before, she's looking to be Amber Heard 2.0. And I'm really going to be doubting everything she says now. But uh, moving on, uh, the news have been mentioning that there are two tropics to look out for. One is coming from Mexico and the other one is coming from the seas near Africa. And I really hope this doesn't turn into anything. I really do. Because from the looks of it, this will be coming towards Labor Day. And I really don't want people's Labor Day plans to be ruined. And one thing I'm definitely going to be doing on Labor Day is visiting my sister in Arkansas, which is what I mentioned earlier that I was going to be talking about. So next week there is not going to be any new episode because I'll be on vacation for Labor Day. I'm going to be having fun, and I hope you will be too without the worry of, oh my God, there is another freaking hurricane. Cause honestly everything has been pretty quiet until now. Yep, I said the Q word, so probably not going to be any more. <laughs> anyway, listen, you guys have an excellent Labor Day. You guys have a safe weekend and have a blessed day. That's it for this episode, so I'll see you guys in two weeks. See you guys later. Bye.